Before we get started, you already know about the Low Post with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective featuring Brian Windhorst. But have you listened to the VC show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Gold on Wooday? They talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment and give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA. Plus, Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's the VC Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. This week on the show, we're going to talk about Erin Blanchfield and her fantastic win last weekend. We also do some tough talk as Connor and Michael Chandler arrive in Las Vegas. And as with every week, we tap in or we tap out. But RC, it's a holiday today, baby. Happy Mardi Gras, my brother. Man, I forgot, bro. I forgot it was Mardi Gras. <laughs> and we were actually planning to go to a parade today, last night. And I was like, holy hell. I got to work. And so then Yonko's like, well, I guess we're not going to a parade. But for all those other people who are enjoying Mardi Gras in New Orleans, you guys have a great time. I did buy two king cakes today. I'm going to bust one open as soon as this show's over. RC, so you can't go. You guys don't have parades in Baton Rouge? Do you not have parades in Baton Rouge? So we have a parade. We had a parade Saturday. I didn't go to it, but we had a parade Saturday. Um, I don't think they have parades here on Mardi Gras Day, though. I believe all of those parades are the parades that are in the N.O. Well, that's sad because we have the biggest Mardi Gras in the world outside of New Orleans in Lafayette, and we're not even the state capital. Y'all should be ashamed of y'all that we can put on a better party in little old Lafayette. We cook better. We cook better. We got a better Mardi Gras in Lafayette. That's why Lafayette is literally just the best city in the entire DC, town. DC, what? you you do realize I'm not about to defend Baton Rouge. I ain't from here, bro. Well, yeah, I this, know you're not, but this you doesn't. You this does nothing for me. <laughs> Oklahoma State. I've been there. Are we going to compare that place yeah. to here and food? Stop, 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 or no? Stop, 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 stop. All okay. right, all right, all right. All right, I give up. You make me tap out. You make me tap out, which is something. Look at that, Ryan. You see that? Which is something the former strawweight champion Jessica Andrade did last mm. Saturday night as she took on Aaron Blanchfield. RC, how impressive was it that oh. Aaron Blanchfield did that to Jessica Andrade? But not only doing it to Jessica Andrade, she's starting to put these wins on top of each other after what she did to Molly McCann in New York City. How impressed are you by this young lady? So here's what's crazy about it. When I'm watching it, I'm thinking before the fight, here is Erin Blanchfield's Sean O'Malley moment. Here is her Hamzat Chemaev moment, right, where you jump mm -hmm. up and you fight a Gilbert Burns or you fight a Piotr Jan and you show yourself so well that now people think of you in that type of, contention bro she dominated Jessica Andrade and what was crazy was in the first round she were she was winning the exchanges on the feet now Jessica has more power than Aaron has so at the end of some of those exchanges you would look at Aaron's face or you would look at the punch that Jessica landed and be like okay oh Jessica's now working but she held her own on her feet got her down to the mat in the second round and I'm going to say this in DC I'll ask you if you agree this was more impressive than Hamza Chimaev this was more impressive 
than Sean O'Malley because Ooh. she actually got the finish against a fighter in Jessica Andrade, who is feared on the women's side of the UFC plate. And so to me, this puts Erin not only in contention for a title shot, I feel she's earned the next title shot, especially yeah. after what we watched Jessica Andrade do to Lauren Murphy just a little over a month ago. Yeah, absolutely. And Jessica Andrade had looked like a destroyer lately, right? She yes. had the standing arm triangle against Amanda Lemos, and yep. then she goes out there and she beats on... Uh, she beats on Lauren Murphy for 15 minutes, and it was brutal. So for for Aaron to do her in that way was as impressive of a performance that I've seen. But while I agree, Ryan, that all things equal, it's more impressive, I just don't know if the skill level warrants that distinction, being that Gilbert Burns is just you know, Gilbert Burns and Piotr Jan is Piotr Jan. So I don't know. Jessica Andrade is that to the female division, but boy, those guys that those dudes beat were just animals. But I will say this, RC, and I think this is where you and I agree. Sean O'Malley went from 10 to one by beating Piotr Jan in a very close fight that many think that he lost. Gilbert Burns and Hamza Chimaev had a very close fight. Hamzad one went all the way to two. Aaron Blanchfield should sit at number one, no questions asked, as she finishes the weekend. She's number three. Jake Corporate Jake just told me she's number three. You know, so I can't really see the return right now, guys. So I can't see the rankings. But she's at number three. I don't think for a second, RC, that anyone should be above her after she did Andrade like that. And I know many will say, well, Andrade can make uh, flyweight or straw weight. She can make straw weight. She can make one fifteen. Doesn't matter. We have seen Andrade finish Caitlin Chukagan. We have yep. seen Andrade beat up on Lauren Murphy at 125. She's as good as they come in this division. And Aaron Blanchfield should be number one. Yeah, I believe that Aaron Blanchfield should be number one. And, and I do get what you're saying because we're talking about taking that next step, which mm -hmm. is Valentina Shevchenko. And that's a different step when you're looking at what you'd be asking Aaron Blanchfield to do but then what's next though DC is it some sort of number one contender fight that now puts her as the next challenger for the championship and so now I think you're you know you're in a place where you save yourself by placing her at number three because that says she has to have another mm. fight before stepping up to fighting the champion and it may be because they were thinking in the same way that you were. But when you watch her um, in, the, in the octagon with Jessica Andrade, we obviously saw her fight uh, Meatball Molly, and it wasn't much of a match. She, she took her down mm. early. She won on the feet early. And then uh, with the ground and pound, she ends up finishing her. I think it was by submission. I'm not sure if I remember correctly. And so now you beat Jessica Andrade in that way. To you, what was more impressive? Was it her stand-up game, DC, or her ground game? I think for me it was the poise, RC. Mm. She was so poised in there, being that she was in there with an extremely hard puncher in Jessica Andrade, a fighter that fights with constant pressure. She not only survived the stand-up, she won a lot of the exchanges, as you said earlier. We know she can wrestle. 
We know she can grapple, but for her to hold her own in every facet of mixed martial arts is so impressive, and we don't see Andrade get beat up on like that. The last time we saw Andrade look out class was against Valentina Shevchenko when Valentina kept taking her down. Valentina, RC, was less willing to stand with Jessica Andrade than Aaron Blanchfield was. Now, many will say that was Jessica's plan, to go out and beat her in the way that many thought that she could lose. But she took Jessica down much earlier than Blanchfield did. It, it was so impressive to watch this young lady compete and compete at that level. She is not only matching, she is exceeding the level of competition. And you and I both know how difficult that is to do. But in regards to the title fight, RC, you put her at three. It says she should fight someone else. But I don't know who else should go before her. Obviously, right. Alexa Grasso is going to fight for the belt next. But, man, who, who's next? Because I thought Tyler – dude, the only thing that makes sense now is her and Tyler Santos, but the only person that's up cheering for that is Valentina because Valentina, it would seem exactly. as though Aaron Blanchfield <laughs> could beat Tyler Santos. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think that's the thing. I believe me, you and I were on the side of Santos being able to get a rematch after we saw yep. how that fight went. And now that it will not be Santos, to have Aaron Blanchfield and Santos in kind of a eliminator fight, I think is going, going to be the next move. But that's very tough on both of those women as they are top competitors and probably both feel like they've already earned an opportunity to get a chance to fight Valentina Shevchenko for Santos again and for Aaron Blanchfield the first time. But... Someone who I think could shed a little light on what Aaron Blanchfield wants to do next <laughs> would be Aaron Blanchfield. And here we go one round with the new top contender. There she is. We're going one round. Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I mean, Aaron Blanchfield, very rarely do we get this excited about a young prospect. But what you are putting on paper right now is something we have not seen in a long time. Was this what you expected when you made your UFC debut? I remember a fighter meeting where you told me, I'm going to be good at this. I can fight everywhere. But has it been a little faster than you even thought? Because it has been amazing to watch. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I definitely got a, a main event slot maybe faster than I thought. And... Um... As number 10, I definitely wasn't thinking I was going to fight number one or three. Not that I didn't think I was ready. I just didn't think that they would boost me up that quick. But looking at the vision, it kind of makes sense. They need someone, a new contender to fight for a title. Um, so, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was super excited about it. And I'm glad I was able to get the job done the way I did Saturday. Aaron, you know, it's not very often that people come on our show or fighters get on the show. And DC calls them by their entire name. Every time he asks you a question or introduce you, he's like, Aaron Blanchfield. So that lets you know the type of impression you've already made on my yeah. co-host. But when you step into the octagon, you know, you beat Molly McCann. And now on short notice, you're going to have to fight Jessica Andrade, who is one of the most feared women in entire mixed martial arts world. What was the preparation for this fight like? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, my preparation for my wrestling camp before I knew I was going to fight Jessica was for Talia Santos, who's num who was number one in the division. So uh, I already knew I had a, a tough task at hand. And then 
uh, getting Jessica last minute, um, you know, made a little bit strategy changes, but, um, nothing too crazy. I mean, everybody, I know everybody in the top five is super tough, so it wasn't anything, uh, too mind blowing. So yeah, just a couple changes that we had to make in our strategies and just implement it when you go into the fight. You know, fighting Jessica Andrade, especially after what she did to Lauren Murphy last, was there anything surprising inside the octagon on Saturday night? And Aaron, I got to ask you a question. Most people will point to Valentina's fight against Jessica and say, hey, Aaron was more willing to stand with Jessica mm. than Valentina. Were you aware of that? Because generally, you'll go and wrestle somebody down, but you did really good in stand-up. I think, yeah, I didn't really uh, think of it in that sense that I was willing to stand more than uh, Valentina. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely was willing to strike. You know, um, I knew she was going to have good takedown defense. I knew she was going to, uh, that she knew that I was going to be looking for that in the fight. So I knew I was going to have to strike and find my opportunities to get that takedown. Um, so, yeah, I was just kind of using my striking until I found that opportunity. And I knew I could hang there and I knew what I needed to do not to get clipped too much um, and hit her back. Um, but there was nothing too surprising about her game. I mean, honestly, we watched a lot of her fights and she's fights pretty similar throughout uh, most of her career. So there was a couple of key things that we focused on and I think it worked perfectly. You know, when you look back at this fight, you got an opportunity to show how well you can strike, but also you get the takedown and the submission of an extremely tough fighter. For you, do you draw back on the extensive training because you are one of the new age fighters who has been training to do this their entire lives, which is why I feel like we see some of the early success. How excited were you to be able to show that you can not only strike with someone like Jessica Andrade, but when the fight is taken to the mat, you can dominate there as well? Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, I've been training since I was seven years old, so I feel very well-rounded everywhere. And I think just having all that experience training, whether whoever your opponent is, I know I could fight anywhere and it doesn't, I don't necessarily need a whole camp to focus on somebody because I know what I could do everywhere. Um, so getting last minute opponent changes isn't a big deal because I know, I know how to fight and I know how to fight everywhere. And I, I know my fight IQ is good and I'm getting experience every fight and it gives me more confidence going into the next one. You know, Aaron, you are now ranked the number three fighter in the world. So when you beat someone like Jessica Andrade, people start to question, where will we see her? What does she have next? You're number three in the world. And I think you're underrated now because I think after what you did Saturday, there should be a one next to your name. But what's next for Aaron Blanchfield? Is it title shot? Are you ready for the title shot now? Are you ready to call out the queen, Valentina Shevchenko? Or do you think you need one more? Oh, I think a title shot next would definitely make sense. Uh, I called for it in the cage and, you know, I, there's only two girls ahead of me. One of them already pulled out of a fight with me uh, for whatever her reasons. And the other I know is still hurt right now. Um, so I think after Valentina fights, um, I think I should get the winner next. You know, Aaron, we've seen a lot of fighters lose the fight to Valentina Shevchenko before ever stepping into the octagon. And now you moving in to that number three slot. What can make you different than some of the other championship contenders we've seen Valentina Shevchenko dominate through her reign as champion? 
Oh, I definitely do think that's true. A lot of people lose that fight before they even go in there. I think a lot of people even do that with someone like Jessica because uh, they definitely have a bit of an aura around them. But I mean, I, I, I believe in my in my preparation and I'm confident in it. And I know that when I get in there, I can, I can do what I need to do to win that fight. And that's how I feel about every fight. And that's not going to change no matter who it's against. You're 23 years old, right? We got a lot of young fighters right now. And it seems as though your guys is... Youth allows for you to be almost, hey, I can take, I can handle anything. I mean, how much does that, that, that go get it attitude? Because again, Ryan, I'm telling you, man, I spoke to this young lady in a fighter meeting very early in her career, and she almost forecasted this. And I always say youthful ignorance, right? Like you don't know the difference. How much does releasing all the pressure help you, Aaron, to just kind of be free? Because it seems as though uh, you young fighters, are just free to kind of approach this thing without any really real hesitancy. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's partially because like I've been training everything since I was a kid. So it's like, even though I'm young, I feel like I've been doing it forever. And I, I have the confidence from all the years that I've already put in. Um, and yeah, I think it really is just that it's just, I feel like I've been doing it forever and, and I, I know what I can do and I'm not as scared to go take that opportunity and ask for it. <laughs> you know, yeah. for you, Aaron, DC saying you basically forecasted what your career would be like and where you could be at this point. When you look at the rest of 2023, what would the dream year for Aaron Blanchfield look like from a schedule and accomplishment standpoint? Uh, you know, I think if I could fight uh, for the for the title, um, International Fight Week in July, that'd be perfect mm-hmm. and um yeah and then whatever after that i don't really know what after that um because that would be maybe a little over half three halfway through the year but um i know if i can get that I'd, I'd definitely be super happy i don't think just you would be super happy i think a lot of people would be happy to see you competing for a championship rc look at that face she's just a baby <laughs> man 23 years old hey the baby face assassin Hey, when I was 23, I didn't know nothing about life. So I definitely wasn't accomplishing the things that Aaron has. Aaron, thank you so much for your time. You are absolutely phenomenal to watch in the octagon. And we look forward to seeing what happens in the future for you. And that future seems to be extremely bright. And as young as you are, it can be extremely long as well. You have a good day. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Well, that's a top contender in Erin Blanchfield that knows exactly what she wants and also what she's learned, what she's earned. Now, what we do know is the tough coaches have entered the house. Our guy, Connor, and Mike, well, let me say again, my guy, Connor, and our guy, Michael Chandler, have made it to Vegas. It is time for this thing to jump off. DC, what is it like for these coaches when they first enter the house for the Ultimate Fighter competition? Exciting. It's exciting. You know, you see Connor walking into the apex. You get a house. You get a car. You get cars. You get everything. And it's exciting because you're excited to meet these athletes that are hoping to earn their way into the UFC. Ryan, I kind of like to compare it to this. You know when you get through preseason and you're in the first game of the year and you're just filled with excitement, your teammates are running on the field, they can't contain themselves, but then when you get to week seven or week eight and maybe you're not as successful as you planned on being, it starts to get a little wearing on you. That's what it feels like. The excitement early, but you got to get momentum. Because if you don't get momentum, then it starts to become those dog days of summer where you're just not really getting what you want out of it. But, man, it's exciting right now. You're excited about the prospects of helping people. And you're excited about being on TV for weeks at a time and taking part in these young men's journey. Yeah, I think, you know, what's so exciting about this, and I said exciting because you use that word is you get to learn the personalities of these coaches. And even though we could see you guys at press conferences or we could see you with everything you do post-fight, you don't truly get to know a dude. You don't know what type of leader he is. You don't know what type of communicator he is. And a lot of times in watching this, and I think back to the last Ultimate Fighter and watching Juliana Pena coach, I thought to myself, man, she knows so much about mixed martial art arts. She can communicate that so well. And I think we'll learn some of these things about these coaches. And then on the other side, too, you learn what type of competitor these dudes are, which is the same thing we saw with you and Stipe, the same thing we saw with Juliana and Amanda. And so you'll get to see those things again about Connor and Michael Chandler, which I believe only builds up the anticipation for the fight. But with you, DC, what did you learn about yourself while you were in the house coaching and during this competition where it truly <laughs> wasn't about DC, the fighter anymore? It was DC, the man and the coach. Very patient. I'm much more patient 
then uh, I'm much more patient than I thought because these are men, right? These aren't kids. I coach kids. Ryan, you coach kids. It's easy, but it's harder when you're coaching an adult, a person that has an idea of who they are and what they want to be. It's not as easy to impart yourself on these people. And when you treat them like the kids, sometimes then you get kickback. You saw me there going with this kid named Thailand Clark. And the reason I was going with him was because he was lipping off at me. Right? So I was like, okay, then you and I will grapple. <laughs> so it's like, it's hard to really make them take the lessons, but also have them understand that you're still active. You're still an active fighter. So when they lip off, your first reaction is to want to go get them. So then you grapple with them and you train with them and try to put them in their place. But the vast majority of these people, especially if the rumors that we're hearing are true, that it's a second chance season, they will want to absorb everything. They will want to take in anything they can get from Conor McGregor, the megastar, and Michael Chandler, the guy that's a star today and still fighting at the highest points of the fight game. So it's a very important part of the process for these athletes. DC, a lot of these, a lot of these fighters, we don't really know them. Can you tell me how the process of picking a team goes? Like, how yeah. do y'all dive in to who you actually want to coach? RC is like a war room. It's actually the craziest thing, bro. Like we sit in a room, they give us all like their bio sheets and we watch them fight. It, it's just like, drafting someone you go and you look at these kids now it's much easier if again the rumors that we're hearing are true and this is a comeback season because there is so much tape on these guys that are going back into the ultimate fighter house but it's hard man a lot of these kids are unknown because if it's if it's comeback fighters versus new fighters it's going to be hard to really judge the new fighters but you'll have a lot of research on the guys that are coming back. So it right. makes it for an even more difficult season and a more difficult uh, choosing process because it's like picking a free agent versus a, my son said some crazy stuff to me today watching first take RC. He goes, he why doesn't the, why doesn't the Jets or whoever has the number one pick, he goes, why don't they trade the number one pick and then try to get uh, to the Bears, and then the Bears get rid of Justin Fields. I go, you don't trade a guy that's proven for DC, a kid coming out of college. You don't do it. They might they might trade him, D.C. They better not trade little, that dude for Little Daniel might be right, bro. <laughs> like, RC, there get are, out of here, man. There are conversations happening right now, and it could be smoke signals. It could be some type of cloud or fog. They're trying to cast over the draft so they could get all the draft capital they could possibly want for Bryce Young or for somebody that yeah. wants C.J. Stroud That's what he said. or That's Will what he Levis. Said. But there's actual conversation that leaving the Senior Bowl, many teams believe that they'll trade Justin Fields away and draft somebody at number one. Don't shoot the messenger. But hey, don't be mad. Don't, that's don't be thing, mad right, at me RC? and Lil Daniel. <laughs> RC, but that's the thing, right, RC? Like, on this season of The Ultimate Fighter, it's like, if I have a guy that I have seen fight in the UFC before, I know what he can give me. When I'm picking that team, I'm taking that guy. I'm not taking the kid that is coming off the regional scene and starting to try and earn his way. And if he does, it'll be his first time. That's going to be Bryce Young. 
his first snap in the NFL will be his first snap. We've seen Justin Field for years. So I feel like Connor and Michael will have to really choose smart and be wise so that they don't make a mistake. And all these conversations that they're having, Ryan, I think it's all absurd because a couple years ago, Justin Fields was pretty much the same kid as we got coming out of college right now. Yeah, I mean, for sure. When you think about this season of the ultimate fighter, there's obviously that climax or that peak or that pinnacle where we'll actually get to see Michael Chandler and Conor McGregor step into the octagon. But that's not the only fight that the UFC has <laughs> made for this year. And Dana has absolutely been on it. We have John Jones, Surreal Gone, Valentina Shevchenko, and uh, Alexa Grasso. We got uh, Nick Bo Nickel is going to fight Jamie Pickett. We got Piotr Jan, uh, Leon Edwards, and Kamaru Usman three. When you look at some of these fights that have already been made for 2023 DC, what are some of the fights that you're most interested in or excited about? Listen, RC, I, I've I've started to understand when it's important, you're around. Right. So I get like a really good dinner for free. Right. So like when it's an important fight, I get a really good dinner for free. So John Jones and Cyril Gone, you gonna be there? Yep. Free meal. Leon Edwards versus Kamar Usman three. You gonna be there? Yep. You see what I'm saying? Free meal in <laughs> London. So it's like the big fights to me are the ones that you go to because you go to the big ones. I got those two fights as yep. two of my most anticipated fights, not only for that, but because of what they mean to yep. the UFC and to the sport as a whole. And honestly, I'm going to kind of be a homer on the last one and say Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen because I got to know if Max can still compete with these young, hungry lions that are trying to take his place. And I also got to know, does Arnold Allen have what it takes to make his way into the elite of the featherweight division? Because that man right there, that bad Hawaiian, that brother, as they say out in the brother in Hawaii, is a bad, bad boy, Max Holloway. So Arnold Allen's going to have to step up to the challenge if he wants to fight the blessed one. Well, you know, so for me, DC, obviously John Jones, surreal gone, would be at the top of my list. I'm going to go with a different championship rematch, and I'm going to go with Izzy and Alex. I think seeing that fight again and the way it ended very similarly to what we saw Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards, the backstory with both of those two men, I'm extremely excited and interested in seeing what can happen on April 8th. And the other fight that I'm looking forward to will be Aljermaine Sterling and Henry Cejudo. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. you think about who Cejudo was when he left this sport, he was a guy that was in a situation where he was not only holding two belts, but he was ascending. He was getting better. And now taking that time off, Aljo Sterling be, be becoming the, the champion, but still one of those champions that seems to be disrespected, even in beating TJ Dillashaw and Piotr Jan. We aren't saying that he's one of those guys that could stay atop of the bantamweight division. And so him getting an opportunity to go prove himself against Triple C, that's something that I'm extremely interested in seeing. And who does Henry Cejudo step back into the octagon as? I think that's yeah. something that we need to get answered. RC, that's see that you, they caught me slipping again. You know how Dominic Cruz always say I don't do my research. You, I didn't even know that one was uh, 
announced yet. You cheating. I think you're actually cheating. That's a rumor. I think that's a rumor and not official. I don't think it's a rumor, DC. I don't think it's this a rumor. They done caught me slipping again. All right, man. Well, I guess it's not. Let's hear from the champion, Aljamain Sterling. I will say I'm fighting May 6th against Henry Cejudo. This is a fight for legacy. The most top five wins in Bantamweight history for this guy. Going to be taking on a guy who cut the line in Henry Cejudo to get a title shot. And rightfully so, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but he cut the line. He didn't get to go through the gauntlet of 135ers like I did. You're good, but you're just not on my level. And I can't wait to show the world. And still, Aljamain Sterling is still the best damn bandweight on this planet. Then it caught me slipping again. And then it caught me slipping again. I didn't know this video existed, dog. Aljamain Sterling confirms it. He's fighting Henry Cejudo. And Ryan, you said that he's been underrated a bit. This is the final step. The reason yeah. he's been underrated is because Dillashaw left as the champion. Piotr Jan was the champion and was beating Aljo in the first fight, so they felt like he won it in a fluky way. Henry Cejudo was the champion when he walked away. He beat Cejudo. There are no more questions. There are no more people that walked away from the weight class with the belt. He will have beaten them all. It is a tremendous opportunity for Aljamain Sterling. And honestly, it's time for people to stop sleeping on the Bantamweight champion of the world. But Henry Cejudo is a winner, Ryan. I'm telling you, and I've said it time and time again, this kid won the Olympics as a child. This kid was one of the worst wrestlers in the world the year prior to winning the Olympics. He was 30th out of 34 guys in the bracket. Fast forward 12 months, dude is the Olympic champion. He has mm -hmm. an ability to prepare himself like no one I have ever seen before. And this guy is confident. I did an interview where I took Aljamain Sterling to Henry Cejudo's house, RC, and I tried to start a fight between them. And Henry <laughs> talked to him like he didn't belong on the same level as him. This is yeah. going to be an interesting one. Yeah, well, I think when you look at these two dudes, one, it's perfect personalities to build up a fight, right? To set up a fight where we're excited to see two men step into the octagon. And it's going to be built as Aljermaine Sterling's opportunity to show the world he belongs, to show the world he's as good as he believes. And for Henry and for Henry Cejudo to finally and once and for all cement himself as one of the greatest mixed martial artists ever by coming back into the UFC, stepping into the octagon the first time and hoisting the belt once again, I don't know if it's going to be a knockout. I don't know if it's going to be a, submi a, su a submission. But if we see somebody tap out, if we see somebody get knocked out, it's going to be one of those moments where you and John are octagon side <laughs> and it's going to be put on a stinking T-shirt because it will be that exciting. But with that said, DC, it's time for us to tap in or tap out. All right, guys, this weekend, a pair of top 10 light heavyweights face off between Nikita Krylov and Ryan Spann. With Yuri Prohaska on the shelf, DC, tap in or tap out, either of these men with a win can be next in line for the champ. I tap out. I, I still tap out because you still have um, Jan Bohovich. You yep. still have Magomed and Kalaev. I think yep. that those two guys that fought for the, at the belt before Jamal Hill won it and fought to a draw are going to be next. So while these guys can put themselves in a position, I think they put themselves in a position for a number one contenders fight, not a title fight. It feels like Ankalaev is next for Jamal Hill. 
Yeah, I, I think the exact same way. I tap out on this, DC. Maybe this makes one of those guys, whoever wins this fight, the next contender to get an opportunity or to put himself in the fight that gives him a title shot. But I believe that there are three or four names in front of the winner of this fight. What's up, Jake? Also this weekend on ESPN+, Plus, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury finally go toe-to-toe in the boxing ring. RC, tap in or tap out that Tommy Fury is Jake Paul's toughest opponent to date. I'll, I'll tap in because he's an actual boxer and that he's a part of the sport. But it's not like Tommy Fury has a <laughs> list of people we actually know that he's beaten. And so I give him the list because it's his actual job. And that's the single reason. This guy right here is so disrespectful, bro. You are so disrespectful to these dudes. But guess lying? what? No, bro, I'm, I'm on the same board. I'm yeah. tapping in because he's an actual boxer. But could Tommy Fury seem any less interested than he is in no. this fight? Dude, don't go to bro. the press conference. It's like, what is going on, Tommy Fury? You're going to fight Jake Paul, a guy that has momentum. But Jake Paul, while it is his toughest fight on paper RC, Jake Paul can actually fight, so I kind of yes, he think can. he's going to win. I do, too. I do, too, DC. Corporate Jake. <laughs> All right, guys. Following UFC 284, cameras caught Volk and Islam having this exchange. Should we do it again? Yeah, of course. Good. Maybe Abu Dhabi. Yes. We deserve a in Abu Dhabi. My turn to get booed. No, no, so, DC, tap in or tap out Vulcan Islam running it back in Abu Dhabi later this year. I tap in on the great fight. I tap out because Islam's got work to do in his own weight class, and so does Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky owes it to Yair Rodriguez to go and give him an opportunity to try to become the undisputed yes. champion of the world. And I don't know if it's fair to Benil Dariush if he beats Charles Oliveira to not get his chance to fight for the lightweight championship of the world. Whilst, and this is the danger in super fights because you get a close super fight and people are clamoring to see it again when in reality we have two divisions that need the champions back in order to uh, really give us a little clarity. Agreed. I tap out on that as well because when you think about what this does to both divisions, divisions, it puts them on hold. And then now you're looking at these two champions. And if you get a fight that's another close fight and Alexander Volkanovsky does win, do you run it back and have yes, a trilogy? And so I think you allow these men to go and take care of the business in their own division. And now if they go on another run, you set that fight up later when you feel like you've kind of run out of people to fight or opponents in their own divisions. All right, guys, another novelty athletic venture for you guys, rug ball, the combination of wrestling and basketball on the hardwood. RC, tap in or tap Look out on rug ball? I tap out. And I tap out on people making up stupid ways to wrestle or stupid ways to shoot basketballs or play pool or play chess or make phone calls or drive cars. I tap out on it. This is really, really dumb. Because all they're doing is hugging each other and thrusting their pelvises onto one another while waiting on the basketball. I'm tapping all the way out on this, DC. Are they wearing singlets? I mean, I'm tapping in, man. I'm tapping no, in on rug ball because it looks like the stuff they do in Dagestan. But you just add singlets. RC, tell me this does not look fun. 
Tell me that doesn't look it fun, don't look RC. Fun. It don't look RC, fun. who wants to dribble? Why should you have to dribble a basketball? You know, I didn't because know. Because it's basketball. That's why. Corporate J, interrupt this guy. <laughs> All right, guys, last one. Let me say this. Get, get DC. I didn't know before if I like no dribbling, but I've played the game, and it's a fun game, RC. I'm telling you, it's fun to not dribble. All right, guys, last one. It seems that jorts are making a comeback, and MMA fighter recently chose oh. to rock spandex jorts during his recent fight. DC, tap in or tap out on spandex oh, jorts in MMA. Man. Come on, man. You see, this is the thing I'm talking about. This is why you got to wear a uniform. This is why you want uniform, because dudes can't do stuff like this. Like, this looks ridiculous. I am more into rug basketball than I am into blue jean shorts inside of an octagon. I'm out. I tap in. I tap I, out. I tap in. This is very down south. Uh, this is very Lafayette, upper oh. Louisiana, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi, Alabama. I tap in on this. This is very regional. And I think mm -hmm. that these guys mm -hmm. should be able to represent where they're from in their jorts. This is 100% something that should be done over and over again in mixed martial arts. His name arts. is probably Jim Bob. In. His name is probably Jim Bob, too. It probably was. <laughs> Jim, Jim Bob Cooter. I am not wearing George RC. RC, DC, man. Hey, football season make them in your size. Hey, That's all on, that RC. is. Don't hey, make RC. them in your size. All they got to do is put me in a big 2X and just put, hey, drop the pole. You know what I'm saying, RC? Put me some big jorts and I'll dance for you. Right? Listen, <laughs> football season's over, my friend. How you enjoying all this time now at home just kind of relaxing? You know what, man? I cleaned my closet yesterday. I organized some clothes. Uh, today I'm going to clean my drawers out and, you know, give some things to some people, give some stuff away. Uh, I'm just yeah. doing... What you need to do in the offseason, which is get ready. But the thing about the offseason is this for me, DC. I get to go to fights. We got John Jones, yep. Cyril Gahn in two weekends. I'll be in London with you a little bit after that. So we're going to enjoy that. You can catch DC and RC wherever you get your podcast, 12 a.m. on ESPN2. I'm RC. That is DC. We appreciate all the support. Keep building those numbers. We'll keep giving you content. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.